The hard part about my childhood is that my mom and dad had a pretty tumultuous relationship um, with a lot of ups and downs and unfortunately a lot of violence and fights and those kinds of things. So I would um, kind of categorize my relationship with my dad as being very much up and down in that same regard, in particular towards his later years in life. I think it seemed to kind of, in my mind, steady off a little bit. My mother and father had kind of separated. So I think from that perspective, I kind of saw him less frequently. And when, when I did see him, things were somewhat decent. Um, so I would say like towards the end of his life, um, you know, it's everything kind of seemed, you know, like it was the way it should be. The voice you just heard is Chad Reynolds, who I met on one of those really hot Midwestern days, and we met in a parking lot, a massive parking lot, uh, in a building that he works in. It was a Sunday, and it was a window of time in which he was available. So I rode up on the motorcycle and met him, and we went through a series of security, and we ended up going and conducting this interview in his office, of all places. And it was one of those massive office buildings and huge areas of cubicles, and were tucked into this corner office and Chad began by sharing some of his earliest memories of his father. You know I remember doing different things like you know he would lay on the floor and we would sit on his stomach and he'd act like he was a car and that sort of thing you know I, I would have these memories and so it's like I would do that you know with my son I have three kids now so we're all three of us all three of the kids will be doing it at the same time and they're piling on you know and I just know that that's what we did, like with my sister and, you know, my brother and stuff. And it's just kind of a fun way to connect, you know, knowing that I did that with my dad. Because I don't, you know, I don't have, you know, a huge amount of memories that are good. So it's like the ones that I do have, I kind of replay a lot. You know, even with all of the things that happened in my childhood, I always felt like my dad loved me. Um, I think about him all the time, actually. So, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say that a few days goes by where I don't think about him, you know, or if I see my kids doing something, like, you know, I think about my dad. Um, but I had, um, my father was not well, and he had very low lows um, that involved a lot of violence. So, you know, the majority of the memories that I have, like, as a young child and a child growing up was, you know, unfortunately memories of seeing my dad, you know, hurt my mom. It wasn't so much him hurting us as kids as much as us, you know, seeing him do things to her. And, you know, there are several, you know, very vivid, you know, memories that I have where I thought my mom was going to be killed, like, right in front of me type of stuff. You know, and so as a kid, those incredible ups and, and terrible downs, and I mean, you're just kind of like all over the place, you know? So I kind of found myself as a kid, you know, feeling relief when he wasn't around because I knew it would at least be calm. Like my mom wasn't always in the best of spirits, you know, when he wasn't around, but at least there wasn't like the violence piece of it. So I think that's a big part of why I felt that relief. And I fought myself on that, you know, because I thought it was ter a terrible thing, you know, because you go through these like stages of grief, you know, where you're sad he's gone. And then it's like, you're, you know, I'm glad he's gone, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And then I went through stages where I was so mad that he did what he did. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's one of the, my struggles, I think, you know, and, and not having, I don't know, him around to say all that too, you know, so just a loss. How did you talk to the outside world about your father's death? 
I didn't talk about it to anyone. And I remember just going into school thinking, like, I wonder, you know, what everyone else is going to think that my dad, you know, did this or my dad's gone or and things like that. And it was interesting to me because I went back to school and no one knew anything and no one said anything, you know. So it was, to me, I look back on that, you know, fear of thinking what will people think or, you know, how will they treat me and... It's like it was non-existent so to me it was like well I'm not gonna talk about it either you know I'm not ashamed of what my dad did but it's also not something you get up in the morning and go, I'm gonna talk about my dad's suicide today you know just I could probably count on both hands like the amount of times I've talked about my dad killing himself with someone and I think that's okay you know you don't share every detail with everybody you know with Robin Williams um, when the details started to kind of surface about the fact that it could or might have been a suicide my first feel feeling was shock you know I was saddened you know that it came to that and you know sad for his family but to me it, it like deep down inside of me it's it's kind of like reinforcement you know that these things happen, you know, people aren't well, you know, people can't deal with, you know, challenges or, or things in their life, or maybe they're trying to deal with it. And, you know, the mental illness takes over, you know, I know not every suicide is connected to mental illness. Um, but in my dad's case, I know it was, it lets me forgive my dad a little bit more, you know, if you if you see that, and you see the different types of people that, you know, do it and what leads up to it. You know, it almost forgives that a little bit more in some respects, I think. The other part of the Robin Williams thing for me was, you know, seeing a lot of the comments and different things that were made, like a lot of it through social media, incited me almost. I mean, I, I became very angry at lots of different threads and, you know, people kind of saying things about suicide and why are people doing this and why are people celebrating that. And I felt like a lot of the things I was reading and thinking and you know, it was all like, you're kind of saying that about my dad. You know, it was just very difficult for me. I felt I had a lot of, you know, frustrating moments, um, you know, in the, after that all came about. What did or does good support or look like, if at all, when you actually do open up to someone? What have you found to be useful from friends or family um, when you actually express, yeah, this is how my dad dies. That's a tough question to, to answer. You know, I don't have a lot of those experiences to pull from. You know, I, I think it helps when you treat a suicide like any other death. You know what I mean? Like when someone dies in like a car accident or something, you know, there's, there's shock and, you know, there's sadness, you know, and, and then you talk about, oh, you know, it's such a young life and this and that. I just feel like with suicide, it just looks like this just blank stare, you know. And the other thing for me that's a little bit difficult um, is because I kind of entangle my dad's suicide with kind of like the end of, you know, a pretty rough childhood, you know, seeing a lot of things I shouldn't have seen. So it, to me, it, to me, it always feels kind of bundled. So it also makes me feel like I start remembering that stuff, like when it comes up, you know, so... It's a lot of mixed, you know, mixed emotions for me. So I think the only times I've really been disturbed or really emotionally upset is, you know, frankly, when someone's talking about suicide, not even about my dad, but just about suicide in general, where I feel like the person kind of isn't talking from a point of, you know, kind of personal reference, that sort of thing. That's when I get, you know, really angry. You mean if somebody's kind of like, well, they deserve it or they're weak or what, what kind of things when someone says? You know, things like, you know, people people say there's there's always options, there's always help, there's always this, there's always that. And I, I just feel like speaking from my personal knowledge of, 
you know, my dad and what he suffered with is like, you know, frankly, he really didn't have an out or an option. You know, I think he was trying to get the help that was available, you know, back then. Um, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, if a person gets to that point and is in that moment, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, you can call and talk to someone. It's like they couldn't. That's my feeling of my dad is like my dad in that moment, you know, that was the only option for him, you know. So it just I have a lot of respect for my dad, you know, and looking back on it now, it's like I feel like I can say like I think he did what he needed to do, you know, for his for his own self, you know, it wasn't really about me or, you know, anyone else at that point. You know, I, I do kind of personalize that, you know, and feel like I almost have to protect my dad, you know, in, in that regard. So that's why I get kind of emotional about it, I think. I would say my family was never really a very close family. Like, I think my mom, the way she dealt with it was to, like, not talk about it, really. Like, once it was done, it was done. Um, but I don't ever think she was really quite right after it happened. Um, so I feel like it kind of changed her. My mom's side never talked about it. I mean, it just never came up. Um, on my dad's side, it was always, let's pull the albums out. Let's look at the pictures. I would just, instead of feeling like why well, I really want to sit down and reminisce and all that. it was just terrifying to me for every single time there was an interaction for all this stuff to be happening all these memories to be coming out you know and um, in particular I think about my my dad's dad my grandfather because my dad overdosed in the house that he lived in you know my grandfather found him so when I'd go there I'd be right in that kitchen and all those memories would you know what I mean so for me um, I feel like I struggled a lot and I distanced myself from, you know, the people in my dad's family because I felt like it just, I don't know, like I, I didn't want to do that every single time I saw them. And But now I think that's all I'd want to do, you know, like I wish I would have been able to have a close relationship with him and sit down and look at all those memories because now I have very few of them. My grandfather passed away, you know, probably four or five years ago now. You know, that was hard for me. Like my grandfather's death, you know, was um, really, 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 really hard for me. Um, even though I wasn't incredibly close, you know, he lived in Delaware, I lived in Ohio, saw him very, very infrequently. Um, it was almost like a part of another part of my dad was gone too. And were there were there male figures in your life that you were looking up to, or how did you go about your path of manhood and figuring out who, what kind of man you wanted to be in? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I really didn't have a lot of um, you know male people to look up to. I had both my grandfathers, who were both wonderful, wonderful guys. You know, I think I held on to you know the interactions I did have with you know like my grandfathers. Um, my dad had brothers. I wasn't really close to. Um, you know, all of his siblings, you know, as much growing up because some didn't live, you know, where we lived. But I have, you know, an uncle that I was fairly close to who I lived with for a while. And we actually lived with my aunt and uncle for a period of time when it was very, very unstable for us as kids to be with my parents. Um, so I remember that period of time, you know, feeling like, like, wow, this was what it was like to, you know, actually live in a family where you sit down and you know, have dinner and everybody takes their showers and everybody, you know, does their homework together and things like that. So, you know, I just kind of look for those little opportunities, you know, to see what a normal life was like. I feel like in some respects it made it more difficult for me to get close to, you know, male figures or, 
you know, I didn't have a lot of close male friends, um, you know, either, either. I mean, I had a few close, you know, people in my life. Um, I think it's changed a lot as I've gotten older and have had more opportunities to meet people and, you know, be a part of, you know, different circles, so to speak. Well, let's go to, I mean, tell me what's behind you as we're sitting here. What, what's back there? Pictures of my kids, pictures of my family. Tell me about your family and, and how you've approached uh, building this family. I have a three-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a ten-year-old. So the ten-year-old's the oldest, and he's, his name's Andrew. He's a little guy, five feet tall, ten years old. Um, and then I have Audrey, who's the middle child, and Evelyn, who's the youngest. She's three. Um, so Audrey always talks about, you know, how hard it is to be the middle child, you know. So I have to keep reminding her, I was like, I was the middle child too, you know. You were? You know. My wife, Renee, and I um, got pregnant very quickly after we got married. So we didn't have a whole lot of time. You know, it was kind of like get married, then to have a kid, you know, literally the next year. So um, when Drew was born, um, it was really terrifying for me, you know. Um, and I think it was somewhat unique that my first was a boy you know because I was just thinking like how you know what am I gonna do like you know how am I gonna be a dad and, and all that stuff so you know I have a great family network like Renee's family um, her mom and dad are wonderful they're like you know my my mom and dad you know um, and you learn a lot from them and you learn a lot just by seeing how they care for the kids and you know having that sort of support there um, you know was was important I think for for me and for my wife um, but it was hard you know I think it was difficult for me initially to um, really embrace being a dad I think it took a bit of time I'm not sure how long um, but it wasn't it wasn't right out of the gates that I felt like I was stood up to be a dad and was going to do it and this was going to be awesome and great I think I went through like a period of time like really trying to adjust to it you know and figuring out I think I had a lot of doubts you know, like was I going to be a good dad and and that sort of stuff but you know as the you know months rolled on you know you do build the bond and you know you it became like such an, a big part of me you know so um, you know, a lot of times I'll say, you know, I love being a dad, you know, and I really do because it, it's like, you know, you can have the longest day at work and as soon as you get in the house, I mean, frankly, like I walk in the house now, you know, I've got, you know, at least two out of three kids screaming and crying and stuff. But, you know, once all that settles down, it's like there's laughs. I mean, just, you know what I mean? It's just like the humor that comes from kids and the perspectives, I mean, just fill me up, you know, and, and I love that about them because I feel like they are always filling me up. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun adventure. There was a part of me that just kept thinking it was going to be taken away from me, you know. So as I was kind of building this excitement and anticipation for starting a family, I also felt like, you know, I don't know, there's a different worry that takes over, like once you do create a family. Um, and I think that's a lot of from my childhood and the things that I experienced. Um, and later pieced a lot of that together. But I think that was a big transitional, you know, piece for me, you know, as someone who was ready to become a dad to kind of just chill and, and relax, try to relax, try to enjoy it and know that it's going to be here forever, you know, and not that it's going to be taken away from me because that's what I felt for, I think, a really long time. What do you think that's rooted in? I think a lot of it you know, comes down to everything that was taken from me when I was a kid, you know, the things that I had to, um, you know, had to experience or the things that I did experience, you know, just, um, you know, I just 
strongly feel that kids shouldn't have to see that stuff, you know? Um, you know, and some of the memories that I have are, you know, so horrible, you know? I'm not even sure my mom remembers, to be honest, you know? And, and my sister doesn't remember anything because she was young, you know? So it's like, I feel like I, in a lot of ways, I had my childhood kind of taken from me. Um, I had my dad kind of taken from me. In some respects, I feel like I had my mom taken from me because she was never really, she was there and present, but not really there and present. Uh, I don't think she was able to be what she needed to be for herself, let alone, you know, for us. So, you know, I feel like that's kind of what my foundation is built on is a lot of loss and a lot of, you know, fear and a lot of, you know, really bad things, you know. So to get to a point all those years later where you do have stability and you do have a solid life and a career and you have things going for you and then, you know, it's like I meet Renee, I fall in love, um, you know, and start building this family like as the more I got, the more I feared the loss, you know, and I feel like it goes right back to, you know, all that stuff that I experienced as a kid. Um, I think the thing that I've thought about more over the years is just like mental illness, you know, like what, you know, is in me, you know, um, because my mom, you know, struggled with a lot of things. My dad struggled with a lot of things. Um, and so you kind of are left to think, you know, like how much of that is a part of who I am. And that was another part about, you know, having kids, you know, it's like you're, you're, you know, here's your son, here's your daughter, here's your daughter. And it's like, as they start to grow up, you know, you look, you look at them and you look at, you know, all those things. And I think about that. That's the prevailing thing, you know, that I think I kind of focus in on. At the end of the day, it's like, things are going to be what they're going to be, you know? So I think, you know, for me as a parent, like what I've learned is you just got to kind of look at what you can control and look at what you can't control. You know, I try to really be the type of father that I would have wanted, you know, to always be there, always be consistent, you know, always show affection and, and that sort of thing and, you know, try to prop my kids up. And what about sharing how he passed or, you know, do you talk about that with them uh, yet? No, I think they're a little too young for that. In fact, I told my son that I was um, coming to be a part of this project um, today and, and I told him that, you know, the project was about, you know, talking about losing your dad and, you know, your dad, you know, not being around anymore. So didn't mention, you know, the context of suicide. Um, although my son does know what suicide is, um, so um, I find that interesting. <laughs> Um, and uh, it was it was kind of sweet because this was you know like an hour before you know we would meet and you know so I was telling him about about it and he was kind of looking at me he's like oh, I don't know what I would do without without you daddy you know and I just was thinking to myself like that's just like such a powerful thing for a 10 year old to say and then he just went back to doing what he was doing you know um, which is the way it should be you know like that shouldn't be what he's thinking about all the time you know um, unfortunately like I was thinking when I was that age all the time, you know, was, was my mom going to be around and, you know, was he going to do something to her? Was he going to show up somewhere, you know, sort of a thing. So it's hard to kind of, um, you know, bounce around those different thoughts, but like it literally in a moment like that, it can be really sweet and tender. And then it's like, I'm, you know, back to, you know, some horrific thing that I experienced in my childhood, you know? So it's just it's just so interesting the way that works. I mean, to me, that seems like one of the sweetest things that you could possibly hear from. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that feel to hear from your son? 
it was it was really special you know because um, he was looking right at me when we were talking um, and you know I thought it was a sweet thing to say and you know it's something I'll cherish you know you love hearing that you know from your kid I'm probably a little bit different than most um, guys that have lost their dad because you know I kind of lost my dad before then you know it's, it's hard to put into words but it wasn't like I was living with him every single day and then he's gone versus you know him being gone for seven months and now he's killed himself you know sort of a thing so um, I never really felt like you know I had that I don't know that real father bond with my dad you know, because I don't think he was capable of it. I had to get to a point over time where I was able to forgive my dad and also forgive myself, you know, for some of the feelings that I had. You know, I, th I think that's really important, you know, because that was kind of a turning point for me to, you know, to realize, you know, how to close some of that stuff down was to, you know, forgive. The way I think about my father right now is he wasn't well, you know, I mean, frankly, he just was not a well person. Um, and he, when he wasn't well, he was a very violent person. When he was not violent, he was very depressed, you know. So, I mean, he just wasn't, you know, a healthy person, unfortunately. For many years, you know, I think we personalize stuff, you know. You make it be about you when it's really not about you. It's about, you know, in my case, it's about my father and what he was struggling with. And so my acceptance of the fact that it's like I wasn't him, you know. I mean, I think he was not well and he did you know, what, you know, he thought he needed to do to end his own suffering. I don't know, there there was, there has been parts of me, like over my years, thinking in that moment of not being well and being to the point where he would kill himself, you know, was he thinking he was saving us from the inconsistency or, you know, would violence reoccur or, you know, because I'm sure he didn't like those things, you know, when those things happened. I just find myself now more than ever thinking about it and not overthinking, you know, just kind of saying, you know, it happened. It happened in that moment and you can't take it back. And, you know, he did what, you know, he thought he needed to do. I've thought a lot about, you know, what it would be like in that moment for him and wondering what it was like after he swallowed the pills, like did he wish he didn't, did he wish he did, you know, did he suffer, you know, all these things. I don't know, it's like, because I don't know enough about my, you know, my dad's illness, you know, really very specifically, I mean, I know bits and pieces and kind of what's been shared and talked about like over the years. The memories that I do have of like those episodes, you know, people would say like, you know, well, what was it like, you know, and I would say, well, it, you know, it's like, you know, going to the park, um, you know, riding a big wheel, you know, and then the next night, you know, your dad's going fucking ape shit, you know, trying to look for his chair in the freezer, like in the freezer of where we lived. He's like digging it and like pulling stuff out of the freezer. My mom's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm looking for my chair. You know, it's like, like, how, you know, <laughs> like that's, that is mind boggling to me, you know? You know, I have memories of my dad like chasing, you know, like, you know, chasing my mom's car with me in it. Like he wants to kill her, you know, she's running through red lights, cars are spinning out, you know, um, and just thinking, you know, as a young boy, it's like, I'm going to die, you know, like I'm, I'm going to die today, you know, like this is so horrible, you know. So it's like I, I kind of pull from those sort of memories and things to kind of piece together the person that my dad was. You know, and, and that episode, like, where he was chasing us and stuff, and, and eventually my mom stopped at a friend's house, and he chased her in and was just, like, literally destroying her. 
and I'm watching it. It's like at that moment, it's like that wasn't my dad. You know, I mean, in all honesty, like I saw him and saw what he was doing. I was like, that's not my dad. That's not the guy I was just at the park with, you know. So for me, it's like those are the things that I kind of draw from to say, like when he was in that moment, you know, he was in that moment. And some of those moments were really fucked up, you know. And so it's like, how can I be like, oh, why'd you do that to me, dad? It's like, I just don't judge that. You know, I think I recognize now, like later, having gone through all my trials and tribulations in life, and like life is hard. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like dealing with that sort of like mental, you know, incapacity and you're gonna be doing shit like that, you know, to your kids or to your family or whatever. And, and those are all the things that replay in me, you know, like literally when the topic comes up or you know I all those things kind of flood in so it's not pieces and parts it's just that's all like that's how I remember my dad you know so it is a big you know it's like a it's a big bomb that's why I think you know I got to the place where I was like there was relief you know because all of that negative stuff had ended a feeling of um, you know, relief, but it's also a fear or a feeling of sorrow, you know, that you have both those feelings about the same person, you know, so that's, it's very tormenting. For, for my father, you know, he was a person that suffered for most of the time that I knew him, you know, um, with things that I frankly don't think he had a whole lot of control over, you know, that is a really sad, sorrowful thing, you know, that a person has to go through things like that. Things that I saw, it's like I know my dad knows he did those things, so he can't walk around feeling like, wow, that was awesome that I just almost killed my kid's, you know, mom. You know, you just, that's not gonna happen, so. You know, I feel like the suffering and the agony that he was carrying around and, you know, I feel like all of that ended when he did what he did. So I didn't think that at the time or when I, you know, it's just something that I've kind of been able to, you know, piece together, you know, the pieces of the puzzle. Um, but, but that's where you get to that point where you kind of just say, you know, that's, that's an okay thing for him because he was so unwell. I mean, I, I don't know, it's hard because I've, you know, people, you know, have talked to me about, I was like, well, what would you, you know, you know, would you want your kid, if your kid was in that situation, would you want them to get help or would you want them to kill themselves and be in a better place? And it's like, well, of course, you know, I'd want them to get help, you know, but in that moment, that's all my dad knew. So it's like, I'm not going to sit and judge him for that, you know, so it's, a, I feel like it is a really fine line, um, you know, and, and it probably is very difficult for people outside of um, that experience to really be able to process that. And I recognize that, but I just, I feel like people shouldn't be so, you know, sharp with their words and, you know, careless on a topic like that, you know, so. If you had an opportunity to speak with your father, what would you want to say? Um, wow, that's, um, didn't expect that question. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I, probably would want to focus it on, you know, the fact that I forgive him, you know, and that I miss him, you know, and, and try to just fill him in on everything that he's missed, you know, all the highlights of my life. That's probably it. And if you could hear anything from him, what would you want to hear? Hmm. I mean, I think it would be more, you know, like when I do think about the times where it's like, I wonder if he can see this or, you know, see this happening in my life, you know, just be, you know, some sort of sign to say I can, you know, 
I did see you get married or I did see your, you know, that you have a, your child's born or whatever, like those really special moments in your life. Um, that'd be nice, you know, just to know that he's a part of my life somehow. It'll Next year will be like 30 years. I mean, that's just 30 years, you know, it's 30 years of life, you know, not lived and 30 years of memories not experienced, you know, like that to me is, is amazing, you know, like, you know, that's the context that I kind of walk around thinking about my dad with, you know, it was more of that stuff. And how old were you when your father died? I was 13 when my father passed away. And how old was he? 34. And how old are you now? 42. How does it feel to have walked the earth that much longer than yeah. your father did? I think about it all the time. I really do. Um, and w that was a turning point for me too. Um, you know, when I was the same age as my, my dad. Yeah, it's a, you know, when when I hit, I hadn't thought about my father that much, and then I hit that point when I was like, holy shit, um, you know, this is I'm, my body is as big as his body, yeah, was, you know, and my mind has to be as strong as his, you know, th mm -hmm. thinking, before it was always well, he was older mm -hmm. than me, mm -hmm. so he must have had more life experience that would have thrown him about, you know, or whatever, but it was like these hands are similar if not the same and just as capable you know of doing those things I've had the same thoughts um, you know it's and I, I feel like I definitely you know like in my adult life have had ups and downs um, you know and points where things haven't been so great you know or I've you know didn't have someone special in my life um, but fortunately I've never ever felt you know like you know that would be any Thing that I would consider you know so I never really feared it either like I wasn't walking around thinking like gosh am I going to do that to myself just probably because I didn't think that way um, but at different times in my life you know good and bad I would think about my my dad and think he's not experiencing that before I met with Chad I really didn't know what to expect he didn't share much in his email he just said that he was interested and I'm so grateful that he participated because he really taught me a lot Chad was able to recognize how the illness in his father wasn't his father. And it was heartbreaking to hear Chad speak of the violence that he experienced and that his mother experienced it, and how that impacted Chad and his sense of safety and security and how he had kind of broken the cycle, as he calls it. And it's heart-wrenching to hear the experiences that his mother and he had to face the domestic violence and consistent concern about his mother's physical safety and well-being. And I was grateful for how open and honest Chad was about how he felt after his father died. Not only his anger, but also how he felt relief that he wasn't going to have to experience the violence and the insecurity and instability that he had. And that really got me thinking a lot about my own father. I know that my mom dealt with a lot with my dad. I know that he was definitely not the best husband. And they were high school sweethearts, but that love and affection didn't carry over into best practices as being a loving and tender husband. And when the worst of times, you know, my father would tell my mom of how he was going to kill her and kill me. And I could relate with Chad, not because I experienced that. I don't have a recollection. I was so young, but it helped me understand more of what my mom may have been going through, or at least get slivers of similarity. And though it was heart-wrenching, I'm really grateful that Chad 
went there with me, and he was so open and honest. And I'm so grateful for Chad for that, because I needed that. And, you know, part of what I was going through there in Ohio is I was, my goal was to go conduct some interviews with some folks in Montana, and I was going to try to take the northern route, and frankly, to be honest with you, just avoid Kansas altogether, which is where I'm from. It's where my father and mother met um, in Wichita. It's where they became high school sweethearts. It's where they got married, and it's also where my father took his own life. And I knew I needed to go to Kansas during the trip in this project, but I was hoping to do it on my way back east or at some other point but because I was in Ohio and because my bike was breaking down I was having a whole series of challenging problems of with the bike breaking down and I just didn't have faith that the bike would actually make it across the high peak mountains because snow was already falling and so I was really conflicted and this conversation with Chad brought me back to my own father and it got me thinking a lot more about him and his mental health issues and psychosis and his pattern of violence or threat of violence, the very least that I know of. And it was after my conversation with Chad that I decided I was going to go to Kansas. A lot happened in that journey back home. In the next couple episodes, you're going to hear some of my experience when I go back to Kansas. And I ended up going back not only to Kansas and reconnecting with some friends and family and But I also ended up connecting with my stepfather, who I had for a period of time in my life, who was very influential. And I'm very grateful for a lot of what he provided in my life. And so you're going to hear about my desire to express that. And you're also going to hear about my experience of going back into the room in the house where my father took his own life and how I learned more details about the way in which he died through my getting his autopsy report from the county coroner and it's um it was a really difficult time frankly and i'm so grateful because this conversation with chad helped prepare me like all of the conversations with the men i had had up until this point um, they helped prepare me for that emotional personal roller coaster that i had been avoiding for 30 years or more really and Uh, So yeah, the next episode is this monologue, and it's a non-trivial one, but it was important to me, and maybe there's something in there for, for you as well. Okay, thanks for listening.